Hey, thanks for tuning in for another episode of the Reminders Podcast. So this is a special episode, the first to feature one of my family members. So I've got my little brother Jacob talking with me today. And Jacob is a 16-year-old high school student, so he's slightly older than half of my age. So I'm bringing him on to offer a little bit of a different perspective. Um, This is a guy that's got his toes in many waters. He's in the honors program, you know, obviously tied up with a lot of schoolwork. He's in soccer. He plays on two different soccer teams. I'm teaching him three different musical instruments right now. Um, Just a guy with a lot of interests. And being someone who has grown up entirely in the age of information and with the dawn of the internet being in full swing throughout his entire life. Uh, We talk about that a little bit. We talk about the education system a bit, but I sort of cut out most of our conversation about that in the beginning because we talked about that on the last episode with Lucas in much more detail. We get into, yeah, mostly our relationships with the internet and it really boils down to identity. We discover by the end of the podcast that all of this is really circling around how we identify ourselves and in what ways the internet and social media and technology has shaped the ways that we view ourselves and the ways that we attempt to identify ourselves in conscious and subconscious and unconscious ways. So anyway, without further ado, uh, let's jump into the conversation, and I hope you enjoyed these completely random pictures of Jacob and my childhood during this intro. What do you feel like you would be actually excited to go to school to to learn about, um, classes that you could take, or just any in general? I think, um, personally, if, if they, like, started focusing like on individual students and like um individual interests you mean? yeah individual interests and like um i don't know showing kind of like showing you everything like that's available instead of like conditioning you for one specific thing mm-hmm. um yeah it's a homogenized curriculum yeah i like my personal um, favorite teachers are like the ones who act as like a guide instead of like like in law enforcement mm-hmm. because um, I, that's just what a lot of my school feels like yeah. at the moment. Um, just like developing personal interests and ma- I think making it easier and definitely more affordable to um develop those things yeah what do you mean more affordable to develop what to develop curriculum when i said more affordable i mean like less expensive like college and stuff like that oh okay um college yeah yeah and yeah that's a whole other subset of the conversation for sure yeah uh so more individualized I definitely agree with that. I think that high school could look a little bit more like college. Yeah, I think so too. And even college could could look less like high school, mm-hmm. you know, because, for instance, I studied, for better or worse, I studied audio production in college. I know you know this, but for the sake of the conversation. Um, 
and you know they had me taking uh, a math class and you know there's this idea of like a well-rounded liberal education yeah. which really means a well-rounded paycheck for the people that you're paying you yeah know? i mean and the you know i'm certainly open to a counter argument of that mm-hmm. that no, we should make sure that there's a basis of, you know, having a well-rounded education, not just your interest, but like, yeah, I already took 12 years of that, <laughs> yeah. you know, like, and believe it or not, I've used algebra maybe once <laughs> since graduating, you know, 10 or so years ago. Yeah. Anyway, so that type of thing. Um, I mean, I kind of cringe at art being taught at a college level anyway but i'm sure that that's a bias that could be appropriately challenged but i don't know mm-hmm. i think um i think when it comes to education I'm, I'm more i'm more interested in seeing primary school and high school being revolutionized i think you know? so too yeah. um i'm obviously very interested in college being revolutionized too but i'm, I'm so I don't know, bitter towards the college industry to begin with. It's hard for me to, you know, they've got so much they need to get together first. You know, it's just, it's so much a part of, again, it's part of that status and classism thing that we're getting out with like the professionalism of wearing a uniform and stuff in private schools and having dress code and stuff like that. I think that's what college has become for my generation and presumably yours as well. Um, and not to speak for other people, but I sense that our parents grew up in a context and culture where college was less, it was less accessible. Yeah. Um, and I think it was sort of this carrot. I always use that metaphor of the carrot on the stick Mm -hmm. a lot of times because other people have said, apparently, I don't know, at some point they would like hold a carrot on a stick yeah, no. yeah, and a string yeah. while riding a horse and it would get them to go. I, not everybody knows that. I know, um, I know. So <laughs> it was, it was taunted at our parents' generation that like, Oh, if you want to be a real success, go to college, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And I think it was just sort of instilled that, that idea that, that college equals success. Yeah. And I think definitely. that the industry capitalized on that in such a disgusting and honestly, like, really messed up way to the point of indebting generations of people yeah it's much more like like even calling it an industry like it's much much more like profit like profit based than education based exactly and um like in high school um some of my teachers like their classes are just based on getting you ready for like mm-hmm. a test to get into college yeah. like um so like a lot of times they argue that well we can't we can't change like our curriculum at all because um like we have to teach you this to get into college like if if you were learning something else you wouldn't be able to like be ready for this test to get into college yeah but that's why we need to change like all parts not just high school not just college but all like three parts like primary, high school, and college, all of it needs to change. Yeah, and not even just from a systematic, which is to say societal level. Mm-hmm. I think that it probably starts with us as individuals 
as sovereign beings learning to revolutionize our own relationship to evolving ourselves. I was looking for a way of replacing the word ed- educating ourselves, mm-hmm. you know, but the way that we take in information and, you know, that was something that I want to talk to you about is, you know, you were brought up, I mean, you were born in 2006. I was in eighth mm-hmm. grade in 2006. I was already like discovering my favorite artists. I was already a musician. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Like I had already played Final Fantasy VII, <laughs> eight, nine, ten. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. uh, you know, I grew up with video games. I grew up with the internet and stuff, but it was mm-hmm. new. Video games weren't, but the internet was new. Yeah. You know, I remember being in fourth grade and our fourth grade teacher was like just astonished at Google. And she was young. She was yeah. like 26 or something. And she was like, yeah, when I was in school, guys, we did not have Google. Like we had to go to the library and all this stuff. And, um, you know, so like there was a period before the internet being so being a household, you know, yeah. expectation yeah. versus, you know, when I was uh, in fourth grade or whatever, you know, we had a computer room mm-hmm. or in our case, we had the corner of the basement that the computer was in. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so point being like this flood of information and it's not just, at this point, it's not even just like, oh, yeah, MySpace, where you can... Have you ever heard of MySpace? Yeah. <laughs> why? <laughs> Who has talked to you about this and why? Um, I don't know. Yeah. Um, you know, it's not it's like you get on the internet, not just to like look up fan art of your favorite video <laughs> game or to yeah. chat with your friends on MySpace or Instant Messenger or whatever, which is what I was doing when I was in hey, junior well. high. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, but now there's TikTok, you know, it's Mm -hmm. okay. I skipped a phase and it's not just, you know, killing time, literally wasting time on Facebook, just scrolling past all the fodder and stuff. Mm -hmm. But now there's TikTok where like, there's actual, I mean, of course you could argue that there is value in those other things, but there's like an exponential amount of value in TikTok. Like there's actually like really, there's something special about that platform on one hand, mm-hmm. the way I engage with it. On the other hand, not to sound pompous, but I mean, I actually, um, experientially. Um, on the other hand, there's also a ton of fodder. Yeah. And on both hands, it's information. It's a over, just an infinite. I have this, I, I almost want to like pitch this idea to some um, visionary artist, someone that could bring this to life. I have this image of a really cool art piece of someone like holding a phone and basically it shows you like the feed if you Mm -hmm. imagine that like you're scrolling past like a conveyor belt of videos yeah you with me so far yeah yeah. and like you're just and so the conveyor belt like branches out and then it's this infinity symbol and it's like your past and your future yeah you know i think that'd be a cool image because it's literally an infinite i mean I guess not literally, but yeah, virtually you have an infinite amount of videos to find and make a judgment of whether they're valuable or not, but it's information. And so I just want your perspective on like, I don't know, thoughts on that. Like, how has it been? Have you, have you spent much time like orienting your, yourself on the fact that like 
you were brought brought up like a hundred percent within the information age. Yeah. And I, that there's like almost no time away from it unless you consciously decide to pause basically your entire life yeah. and like go into the woods without a phone or like yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah, uh, I've definitely given that a ton of thought, especially like thinking about it most when we're like with family and stuff, because I think you guys like being older than like the other people that I spend my time with definitely challenge that more often. Um, like what you were saying with the computer room, that was when you had a, a computer room, you or a computer corner, um, you you went to it intentionally. Like you ha- knew what you were doing or like you knew what you wanted to do when you got on the computer and then you did it and you were like done. You, like, you yeah. got off. You, it, it was spending intentional time towards that. Whereas uh, now like it's the opposite basically. Yeah. Like I pick out my, I pick up my phone out of habit and um and necessity. You know, yeah. your phone is probably your alarm clock. Yeah. So the very first thing you see in the morning as a functional device, you yeah. need to wait you have to wake up yeah. to get to school at a certain time. You know, so you're using this as a tool. And then it's also you either have all these text messages or or like you're getting out like an impulse to check mm-hmm. social media to see Definitely. if there's anything going on. Yeah. So yeah, there's this insidious pull to constantly be engaging with media and information. I wanted to add to what you said mm-hmm. um, that it was intentional time. I get your sentiment with a computer room and, and a, a landlocked computer, yeah, a desktop, if you will. Um, yeah, I'm going, okay, I'm going to check my email or whatever. Or like, yeah. oh, you're going to do this one thing, you know, um, look up your fan art and stuff. But then you <laughs> yeah. might get sucked in, you know. Yeah. And, and you know, Facebook was around before smartphones and stuff like that. So there definitely was, like, unintentional use, too. Mm. But I think um, it wasn't mobile. Yeah. You know, it was landlocked. It was this thing that you come to and you can decide to waste your time and get lost in it if mm. you like, but like you, you can leave. And yeah, of course we can leave our phones places, but, but it's so much more difficult because like, like you said, there's necessities on your phone, like, um, to our way of like communication, it's our like GPS, GPS clock, um, weather, Actual phone. stuff like that. Yeah. <laughs> it still um, has that function surprisingly um very underutilized yeah um like what you were saying before it's our alarm clock so like you instinctually um like it's the first thing that you see in the morning and every like books and apps and stuff that like um improve your like daily life and um wellness and stuff like that um a lot of them say, like, don't check your phone in the morning. Like, make sure that is not the first thing that you do. Yeah. And similarly, like, make sure that your phone's off, like, 30 minutes before you go to bed. Mm-hmm. Instead of just, like, more, like, mindless scrolling until you eventually just fall asleep. Um, and there's a few reasons for that. Um Keep your thought if you had something to add to that, but quick interjection is that 
it's not just like you don't want to be doing a, an unhealthy or an un, unfulfilling habit before yeah. going to bed, but it's also the blue light on the screen mm. messes with our circadian rhythms. Yeah. Um, it's also EM, EMFs, essentially like low-grade radiation yeah. that's flying in the air all the time. Uh, quick tangent, at a show last week, uh, this, this older dude mm-hmm. came up and was chatting with us while we were setting up. Um, perhaps a little bit longer than I would have liked as we were trying to sound check. Yeah. And he's already giving us requests <laughs> and saying that he's going to leave in like 30 minutes because he's an old man and needs to get to bed. <laughs> like, dude, well, I have a set list. Like, and I'd love to like switch the set list around, but as yeah. you know, I tune my guitar to a certain thing. And, yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. So, anyway. Um, but he was saying, because I was telling the band name, actually, I'm going to go on a whole tangent, bring me back to go the topic You're all good. eventually. But um, yeah, he was talking about, uh, or I, he was asking the band name and stuff. And I was like, oh, yeah, Chantieris, you know, yeah. showed him our signs, you know, spell mm-hmm. it and stuff. And he was like, what? It's <laughs> like, Chantieris. And he was like, Chantieris? Oh, air, air, like the air? He's like, air. Yeah, it's all in the air, man. And I was like, and I'm literally like trying to tune my guitar and like do the thing. Yeah. And I'm like, yep. And like not try to have to explain my super silly esoteric band name that I yeah. chose. And uh, I'm like, yeah, man, it's like, you know, Shanti is like mm-hmm. Sanskrit for peace. Eris is yeah. a Greek goddess of discord. It's like peace and the chaos. But he was like caught up on the, the air part of it for a while. And he was like, yeah, it's all in the air. And he's like, I was like, yeah. And I'm, you know, I'm thinking like, just like metaphoric metaphysically spiritually yeah. whatever and he's like no but like really like you know all of the he was like back in my day you know it used to be just like radio frequencies but like now and yeah. he's making a good point yeah you know that like naturally which is to say i don't really like using that word because you know what we've done this is natural mm, yeah. there's nothing that's not natural yeah you know yeah, yeah it was natural for humans to make a huge mess of their environment <laughs> yeah um but in the uh, pre-industrial lifestyle, um, you know, the air was pure, mm-hmm. which is to say that it didn't have these invisible communication signals being mm-hmm. um, propelled and received all the time. And that's something that a lot of people don't think about. And, you know, I'm not skin conspiratorially like suggesting that it's that it's bad but like it's something to consider it's definitely something to consider and um so anyway emfs and stuff but uh quick further tangent on that so that that got me uh thinking about the band name because that happened like a few more times that night i was like yeah and i was talking to ryan about it later it's like as much as I, I like Shantiris, I think it sounds cool and looks cool. And obviously it has personal meaning to me, yeah. you know, being the only person that understands what it means. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it's esoteric. It's hard to say. It's hard to spell. Yeah. You know, it's not memorable to people that aren't me. Yeah. You know, so Brian or Brian, uh, Ryan and I were uh, brainstorming. Yeah. Is where B came in of uh, other, other band names. And um, we had a few sort of cool ones but um did i tell you about this no this yeah. is new to me so we uh we're, we're landing on daydreamer for now thoughts um Discuss. <laughs> i i like that i think it fits your music and your vibe a lot um 
and I think it still holds the idea of like peace in the chaos because daydreaming for me is a very peaceful thing and like um I that's like it's it's something that everyone can like relate to exactly and um yeah like specifically for me like <laughs> daydreaming feels like like my safest space and um yeah and it's original too i like it yeah unfortunately it's not super original there's at least like 10 other artists on spotify with that name so i was i I think we're gonna do it all lowercase i was trying to think of a way of making it distinct from other daydreamer artists but we landed on just like i've never heard of the other ones yeah you know that's why i thought thought it was yeah 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 um but yeah, I thought about like doing a period at the end or like encasing it in like two parentheses, like two on each side, mm-hmm. which like sort of makes it look like a bubble or cloud, like a mm-hmm. thought bubble or something. Um, but yeah, I think we're just going to keep it daydreamer. Yeah. Yeah. We you went get, through a bunch. What, what's up? Where are you going to do like, where are you going to keep it all lowercase? Yeah. Lowercase. That's a good word. idea. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it hits all the things you mentioned and it also like scratches the, a little bit of like the deeper itch that I was trying to get at, you know, um, of just like you know lyrical content that i get into like talking about lucidity and you know awakening and yeah. being here and present and all that stuff um the 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 meta way of looking at it is like you already know but yeah like go off daydreaming like you're you're dreaming right now yeah you know what i mean like but it also has that double it's an actual phrase mm-hmm. if you are familiar it's an actual activity and you could also apply it to like life being a daydream and stuff like that so anyway yeah i like it i like it too yeah i mean i'll, I'll keep sean Tiris and like just you know i'm not gonna like re-release the stuff on a different name or anything yeah and keep it as like a solo project basically exactly how it's already been you know me collaborating with whoever i feel like yeah. collaborating with and I think I'm really excited about it because i think it's actually gonna like allow me to get a little bit more experimental with sean Tiris. And not feel bad when I do like mm. a random like grunge track or like a yeah. electric track, you know, yeah, like yeah. to be like genre fluid with it and stuff. Um, but anyway, just want to share that. So we were talking about. Um, Wait, I want to extend that for a little bit. Okay. Um, is this the first time the public is hearing about this? Yeah, for the for the most part, I've nice. told a few people, but I haven't mentioned it on the podcast or anything. Um, yeah, I'm not sure what I like. I kind of want to like, you know, the Fibonacci shows are already booked as Sean Tiras, so mm-hmm. like I might mention it on the mic at a show but I'm not gonna like talk to them about re you know yeah, you could just plug this episode yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah I mean I'll, I'll probably mention like yeah we're rebranding and stuff but like I don't know I would also like to like maybe wait until we have like the first thing that we're gonna release yeah uh, that's smart um yeah. I was gonna ask like so you said you're not gonna re- re-release everything under a new name so would you just like change Shantieris or No, that's what I'm saying. I'll keep it. Keep Shantieris yeah. and then just make Digimon a new project. Yeah, this is so this will be like a new band. Yeah. Right. Which feels good because like the vision of Shantieris was for it to be this open band concept. Mm-hmm. Which has been cool on one hand. On the other hand, it's kind of sort of kicked me in the ass the last year. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, this this feels good because it's because it'll be like you know Ryan and I are like doing this like this mm-hmm. is like our band and mm-hmm. like we'll find people to do the other things. Yeah, I I love it. Cool. I love cool. it. Cool. Thanks. Yeah, I'm excited about it. 
Um, anyway, so we were talking about EMFs, which came from, oh yeah, you're talking about, um, looking at your phone first thing in the morning. And the other thing about that is, um, that your brain waves are in a different state. You're not alert yet. Yeah. So you're, it's twofold. It's also, or it's on one hand, the, the brainwave stuff, you're like immediately sort of like making mush of your brain by not allowing it to sort of wake up on its own. Yeah. Immediately looking into the blue light, you know, immediately getting the overload of information and stuff. And the other hand of what I was getting at is within that, the overload of info is also dopamine um, stuff. Yeah. Dopamine uh, hits. So... The part of that that's important to know is that just like the first food that we break our fast with in the morning, the first, the way that we break our dopamine fast, much like the way we break our food fast, is priming our brain to want that thing or something similar to it yeah. for the rest of the day. So if the first high dopamine thing you do is check social media, then your brain is going to be wanting to check social media all day. Whereas if you put it off an hour, it's going to make it easier not to be so compulsive about it or impulsive about it later. Yeah. Same thing. If you eat donuts or pop tarts as the first thing you eat in a day, your body's going to want sugar and fat the rest of the day, yeah. you know, or whatever. Um, so anyway, uh, yeah. So what else were you saying? Uh, well, that just reminded me of a conversation we had like oh last week about how um there's just so much content um being released into the world i talked about how like every two days we make as much content as the beginning of time to like 2000 the year 2000 um and when you say something like that you're obviously um restating something that you've seen mm. did you see like a meme of that or something it is um in a youtube video actually. okay so like what did they consider content I before the internet before like the any internet? sort of creation like if i made a painting is that considered I, content i believe so yeah um that's what i interpreted it as um but like again content could just be like anything as like a picture we take mm-hmm and, um, or like a book that you write or something like that. Cause I've heard yeah. it in terms of information that and I don't have a specific figure for you, but it was something to the effect of like every year now we produce like an exponential amount of information or not just, okay. It wasn't producing. It was access. Yeah, is that yeah, we have yeah. access to like ridiculously exponential amounts of information than we w would have for the first 99% of human history. Yeah. Um, and Which is remarkable. Yeah. I mean, and you it, have to wonder, you know, if we're the first generation, so to speak, that's being exposed to this new um, context, this new paradigm of being a human brain yeah. in an environment. And you got to wonder, like, how it is affecting us. Yeah. And that, I'm not implying that it's all negative. Yeah. But um, I think personally, it's been. Uh, pretty negative for me because I I mean it's not too negative obviously it has great benefits like 
um there's like so much to learn and just like consume that um like a lot of people before us obviously didn't have that it's a it's a privilege it's definitely a privilege yeah um but like with every privilege there's like a weight to it um and for this i think um just like having access to so much information i personally have i feel like kind of like an obligation to um just consume as much content as i can and if i'm not um then like like what am i even doing like there's so much available why am i not um why am i not like getting as much as I can, but like that hmm. just, that's interesting to hear you say that. I, f- I feel kind of on the other side of the spectrum. I think, I think it's like the idea of, um, I was going to say capitalism, but I don't know. Like, um, yeah, I think the idea that we were talking about, um, consumerism, consumerism. Yeah. Uh, there's so much to consume information wise. Like there's so many YouTube videos and stuff. Like just say, like I'm learning guitar. There's so many, there's so many, uh, YouTube videos about like how to play, like, um, yeah. what, what specifically specific terms are like pentatonics, mm-hmm. stuff like that. Um, and like how to master those skills. I feel like a guilt that like if I'm not consuming like as much as I possibly and physically can, then how am I even going to get better? How am I ever going to get better if I'm not doing as much as I can all the time? And that goes past just content on your phone and stuff. I think people feel that in different ways. Like um, if they're not doing all that they can, then how are they going to get better? Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, that, I think that motif just like ties into and relates with a lot of people. I think a lot of people feel that way, at least from what I've seen in my life experience. I know a lot of people that feel that way. And also yeah, like, fair. um, another part of that is like wasted potential. I hate thinking about my wasted potential. Like there's, um, so many people like out there who are just like, so, so talented. And it's not to say that I'm not talented in my own way, but like, they're like already rich, like people my age, like, um, yeah, I mean, like in music, the music uh, industry, that one, musician that everybody loves olivia rodrigo <laughs> that's what i Shows was how not like in tune i am uh no billy eilish. eilish um yeah she's a little bit older but, but yeah. no now but she was like 16 or something yeah. when she now she first... was like uh i think she was like 15 because um okay even younger <laughs> yeah um because her brother's a producer but yeah yeah, yeah. Um, well, can I interject or were you, were you still finishing your point? Um, oh, so just like, 
um, a lot of my, or not a lot, but just like part of my mental health issues is that I think about like that wasted potential a lot. And um, like, I like degrade myself because of it. Like, look at all these people who have already done so much. Like, what have, what have you done? And obviously I know that, like, I have so much of my life ahead of me. Like, so much. And I and people in my generation were given kind of an advantage. Because we have access, like, going back, we have access to all this information. And um, I think... Yeah, it's definitely a two-sided coin. Like, I was just about to say that, yeah. Um, I have access to all this information. It's a great thing, but there's also the guilt that comes with it. Yeah. That's uh, basically all I was Okay, because I'm going to have to start speaking, because otherwise I'm going to forget all the things. Because there's a lot to unpack there. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm going to have to like give some outlines just so that I can jog my memory on everything you just said. But like, you're bringing up comparison. Yeah. You're bringing up um, comparing yourself to other people is what I mean. Uh-huh. Um, wasted potential. Uh, oh, within that last thing, uh, and this goes back to what we started the conversation with, the idea of evolving the way that we education uh, educate ourselves. Yeah. The way that we integrate the information. And I felt like there was something else that I wanted to say. Oh, that was just an aside. I was going to say that it was synchronistic that you're saying that about like wasted time and stuff during... Yeah start again uh playing in the background because that song is like totally about that like lyrics are like i don't want to wish that i'd wasted so much time you know and that's something that i i wish that me writing that song put a uh a stamp on that feeling Mm. but you know it's still something that i struggle with i mean you're 16 i just turned 30 a few months ago like i'm in a very (laughs) different spot uh physically or socially or whatever yeah like both emotionally like yeah i wish that i could say that i did more in my 20s that i was proud Mm. of but like honestly and like you know me like i obviously have trust in the way in the path that i'm on in the way that the path unfolds and the way that the moment unfolds and all that crap yeah but like at the same time yeah i've been caught up in the tidal wave of the same bs you know um first off that yeah it's 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 depressing to see the musicians that we look up to in my case, I'm a musician, you know, yeah. the Beatles literally yeah. changing the world of the music industry, yeah. setting a precedent for countless artists and industry professionals, you know, uh, kind thing. of like, and again, two sided thing. There's always going to be a shadow to the light. Yeah. You know, the Beatles were a very bright light. There's a lot yeah. of shadows that came from that, you know, <laughs> the way that the music industry was like, oh, wow, there's a lot of attention, mm-hmm. key effing word, attention here. Mm-hmm. Um, let's capitalize on it, you know, and there's a lot of ugliness in the music industry. Yeah. And that's not the point of the conversation. So we'll bookmark that for now. Um, so yeah, I mean the Beatles at 19, Paul McCartney writing yesterday. Yeah. There was a movie called yesterday, like yesterday. (laughs) And, uh, you know, um, literally changing the world before they were 30, like before they were 28, you know? Yeah. Um, that's depressing to me as a musician. Of course, like you're like, 
you know, the logical side of self is like, oh, come on, man. We can't all be the Beatles. Yeah. Like, you can't expect. Why are you? Uh, and I don't. I don't expect yeah. it. But at the same point, it's like, how do I bring what I have to bring to the table? You know, that's the yeah. question. And comparing our paths to other paths is while on one hand, extremely normal and understandable, on mm -hmm. the other hand, insane. Yeah. There's no reason to do it. Yeah. It, it very rarely, for some personality types, I would say maybe it does motivate, but for my personality types, it does not. It depresses. Me too. Um, so for me, there's no value in comparing myself to other people. Yeah. Unless, unless it's seen, you know, the light in another person and yeah, comparing there's a that difference. to me and being like, oh, you know, I could reflect that too mm -hmm. you know i see that they've done it like yeah why can't i but then it boils down to like how to what degree do i or we believe in ourselves yeah and that gets into the emotional and mental health conversation which we can yeah put on the side for I, now i think the difference there is like letting that inspire you rather than like you said depress you exactly but that yes but it depends on the type of thing and like person and it depends on where you're vibing at that yeah. moment. You yeah. know, are you in a spot where you're open to inspiration mm -hmm. or are you already in a downward spiral yeah. and that's just going to fuel the fire? And you, know? and you don't, you don't have to always like, um, and it I doesn't think, have to real quick. And it doesn't have to yeah. be a downward spiral. Like you can just have like a back, like I, I, you know, I have a background hum, mm -hmm. you know, just in my being of a depressive state. Yeah. You know, I have a gravity that is yeah. like, there's a low baseline. So yeah. I just wanted to say that like, you don't have to be like spiraling in the moment, yeah. you know, but if that's your, your bent. Okay. So go ahead. There's, there's nothing like inherently wrong with, um, like, like having that, um, like not, there's nothing inherently wrong with not always being in that creative mindset. Um, but like sometimes it can feel that again, like what I was saying, like if I'm not creative or even product, like being productive, which I think a lot of the times I tie those two together, creative and productive, which they're not always going to be like the same thing. Like you can be being creative, but not being productive. I think, I think. Yeah. I mean, it just boils down to how you define the word productive. And I know you and I had this conversation last week too, but um, I actually even referenced it when I was talking to Lucas on the last podcast, but um, I think it's worth, reiterating uh because we were talking yeah at that place about you know you were saying that and i was like i was just challenging you saying that like mm -hmm. productive is a capitalist word you know yeah. it's, it's yeah. based in the idea that we need to produce that's mm -hmm. where that came from and i agree on one hand like yeah it does take creativity to like come up with a product yeah that's that's valuable and useful to people that people actually want to fill a, a mm -hmm. need or or wants or demand yeah you know there's creativity in that i'm not I'm yeah not, i'm not gonna whitewash capitalism as all bad but i also am not gonna whitewash the shadow of capitalism capitalism which has been huge yeah. huge and a lot of us grew up in the shadow of capitalism so it's up to us to either become aware of that reality and orient ourselves in a moment where we either learn how to challenge it and or evolve it or we're gonna get swept up in that tide and be in the 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 um, whirlpool of depression and 
overconsumption and addiction yeah. and all of the ugly normalities of our current context. Um, so I was suggesting um, or asking, you know, what are you really getting at when you're saying productive? And I think we came to the agreement that like maybe the word fulfilling would be yeah. more appropriate to use. I think so. But yeah, like, like you're saying, like it just feels like programmed already that productive exactly should be fulfi- or yeah, productive should be fulfilling. Um, but it's not always going to be. And I think the programming is more, I don't even think that it, you're right. There is a degree of fulfillment in it, but I think the programming is more that like, we need to be productive to be worthy, worthy yeah. to be valuable. We have to, to earn our value, to earn our living, you know, we have to be productive and then we'll yeah. be rewarded with currency to have a place to stay and food to eat and yeah. stuff, you know, it's not, which is so messed no, up. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and it's, yeah, I think a lot of times when people talk and criticize capitalism, there's this idea that there was some evil genius who put this into play and all this stuff. And I think it was natural. I think it was a natural evolution of human greed. Probably. Like most of, you know, so like, yeah, if we want to blame something, let's blame our own demons. You know, Mm -hmm. we all have greed in us and we can all uh, sympathize and empathize with the moment of doing something that you know you're taking more than you need, but you're doing it anyway. And you're judging yourself in this very moment, but you're still doing it. Yeah. You know, I've been in that moment more times than I can count, you know? And, uh, so I, I take responsibility for that energy on earth, you know? And I think it's up Mm. to me and you and us as individuals and us as a community to do something about our shadows and stop trying to scapegoat everything into, yeah. oh, it's the capitalist agenda. Oh, it's the leftist agenda. Oh, it's this, that, and the other thing. Like, yeah. no, it's your own shadow. Like, it's our shadow. We yeah. did some ugly things in the karmic avalanche of humanity. Like, yeah, nothing goes, nothing's hidden, you know? So, anyway, let's reel back from that. But um, you started that whole thing by saying that you have this... Um, inclination to almost feel obligated to consume as much content or information Mm. as you can otherwise you're not excuse me otherwise you're you're wasting your potential and you're not giving it your all yeah and that's a huge thing to unpack in and of itself so like when you first started saying that i really didn't relate like i don't i don't have that feeling like i i can definitely understand like the wasted potential bit of it um but for me, like consuming content is more just like escapism. Mm-hmm. And it, and I mean, on TikTok, I have a pretty curated feed where it's a lot of valuable like shadow work and um, that type of thing. Yeah. And I'm like constantly saving videos into various folders, yeah. playlists and TikTok to like go back to one day. Yeah. So like that's, I, I do that too. To yeah. So extent. that's, I think that could be a pivot, a s- possible solution to your, your situation, your mm-hmm. predicament of, it's almost like you're trying to get yourself ahead of the curve, but the curve is like an infinite, yeah. like yeah. shape here, um, an exponential shape. So you, you can never get ahead of taking a taking half take half a step towards the wall. Like if you continue to do yeah. that, you know, that's like an example, like in an exponential thing. Yeah. You continue and you're eventually gonna reach that 
that like singularity where you're like you're almost you and the wall are almost the same thing but yeah. like you're infinitely not and almost yes you know? yeah um sorry that probably wasn't <laughs> I know necessary to illustrate but um so you can't get ahead of that curve because there's there's too much information out there yeah so what i'm posing as a potential uh helpful thing is pick one dude you know? and i'm talking I, to myself obviously yeah. but like pick one thing and like do it like actually implement like for me it would be going into my shadow list, list playlist and finding a video that is currently resonating and putting that into practice embodying it with mm -hmm. our bodies in this physical moment you know yeah. rather than this infinite loop of mental bs where we're like yeah i need to do that i'm gonna yeah. you know and nothing yeah. ever gets done because we're too busy chasing the carrot and judging ourselves for not catching it mm -hmm. yeah exactly i think um like what you said like picking one definitely have a huge desire to do that but i it is so difficult for me and even like even just picking one doesn't mean you have to do one thing for the rest of your life it's just um like spent like using your your time and energy to focus on one thing and i think yeah. generally generationally um like you said you don't really relate to um that as probably as much as i do and i think that's probably a generational thing I was that too, yeah. because um i grew up with a ds in my hand and uh like at all times and like um but just, how do you feel that that primed you for feeling like you need to consume content to be your best self like we were saying before it, it's so like available like yeah. the readiness like okay like my generation so the technology okay. is so readily available like and it always like for our whole lives it's been available so like why am i not like um using it's it. like super genius already yeah like using it but and you know and i i i could be wrong but i feel like it's worth applauding you for having a growth mindset because mm -hmm. i would imagine that there's probably some people your age that are more just like okay with just like being entertained mm -hmm. infinitely and yeah it might be depressing to them because it's too much fucking dopamine or yeah my french but you know type yeah. of deal but um so, you know, I applaud you for that, that you, you, you do want to be fulfilled. You want to, you want to be a creative and productive and yeah. fulfilled person. Yeah. You want to do what you're here to do, yeah. so to speak. Um, and I could tell that you were taking my pick one out as uh, like, pick a path. Yeah. yeah. I was more thinking like, pick one video. <laughs> like pick one one let one guitar yeah. lesson you know like yeah, yeah, type yeah. of thing but but i i do really relate to that specifically to like learning an instrument and trying to get mm -hmm. practice tips online because you know when you're not working with one person like a guitar yeah. instructor um it's hard to commit yourself to like a curriculum yeah. so to speak yeah definitely and um so it's like which which and that that is where it becomes very overwhelming because like which channel do i commit to yeah. or am i just going to surf and try to find and there's this there's this insidious idea on the web that like there's always something better yeah you know yeah how do you pick the best video how do you pick exactly the, 
the best thing. So, so I think we like resort to like, since there's always going to be something better and we're never going to get like the best thing. We just need to get the most, like we need to consume the most videos since we're never going to be able to consume like the best videos. See, for me, I hear you. Um, my approach to that is not to consume more, but maybe to like, this might be a bit generational thing. It might not. I, I have, if I were to speak for my generation, which I obviously don't like to do, cause I'm, I'm not yeah. a very normal person by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah. Um, I would imagine like most people, you know, you, you search, I don't know, something stupid on YouTube. <laughs> yeah something stupid and you're like man which one of these is going to be the stupidest yeah. and so you're like probably most people pick the one at the top like yeah. either the most convenient one or the most popular one mm -hmm. and usually they happen to both be the one at the top yeah you know whereas for me being a more anti-conformist type of person yeah. i'm like oh, i don't want to pick the most popular <laughs> yeah one. no i get that you know because it's probably think, like it, it's probably missing something there's probably a deeper perspective yeah you know so i'll scroll like once <laughs> and then find one that like resonates so it's just yeah. something about it resonates yeah you know, where i can like pick up on a tiny synchronicity like maybe the color of their shirt or like you know what i mean mm -hmm. like the way i, I definitely i definitely have that too and i think i get that from you probably um and um so I'll, I'll, I'll like i'll pick that one first but then i'll be like well these have to be at the top for a reason so i have to like <laughs> um watch that one too yeah and everything gotcha. like that gotcha. um yeah also i think another like generational thing because i i don't i am a voice in my generation but i don't think i again am the most normal person in my generation um, but I think overall our generation has trouble committing, um, like what you were saying, like picking like one video, there's definitely a lot, we have a lot of trouble like committing to one thing. And personally, I have a lot of trouble committing to one thing. So there's so much I want to do. Definitely can relate to, uh, being non-committal yeah. and that type of thing. Yeah. There's... So much I want to do, um, and I think that ties into like because I want to do so much. The place to start is consuming so much information, um, and which yeah. I'm gonna pause you real quick. I almost feel like that's a misapprehension that comes from the programming from the education system. Probably. It's this idea that we need to like be in this incubation period before mm. doing the thing. Yeah. Which like, I'm not going to say that there's no like wisdom to that, but I think mm -hmm. that it's probably overshadowing a greater wisdom. Yeah. Which I feel the greater wisdom is like, do things now. I definitely and agree. Feel and it. Feel how it feels. Yeah. Like does doing chemistry feel exciting? It, there's someone your age who actually is excited by that. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Is playing sports exciting is whatever, you know? I think, I think, um, that's a really good point. Cause I think, um, it was more in our discussion about like going more about individual interests, like for the school system, yeah. um, focusing on individual interests. I think more than that, like, individual feelings and like you said seeing how things feel and i think that's a super important part of life itself and um like i i have that part of me that 
that like that wants that and like knows that but i think i don't like usually the part that like we've been talking about overpowers the um the wisdom the, the wisdom yeah yeah i think the mind gets in the way of yes definitely of um just the natural flow of or again not trying to say natural i know what you mean of a, a deeper flow of just spirit you know yeah. And I think that we have built up these structures that are for better or worse, a lot of times for worse. And sometimes we get convinced that they're for better, but judgment or not, no judgment. We have distanced ourselves, which is to not say distracted ourselves. Mm-hmm. We have distanced ourselves from just being in the moment more. Yeah. You know, before yeah. technology, when, when our, our greatest technology was realizing that we could use the stone to like, crack open a coconut mm-hmm. you know like mm-hmm. that wasn't distracting us from the natural world yeah you know <laughs> we were in the moment yeah we were our our naked feet were on the ground which is extremely important yeah it truly er, i think it's i important. don't like using the word important but <laughs> it's i know it, it does something biologically to, yeah. to like physically ground ourselves with the planet i mean Literally, you know, uh, negative ions charge. I know nothing about science, <laughs> but there's something about the negative ions, which are positive. Yeah. <laughs> no, I know what you mean. Cause, yeah. um, I think that's probably one of my biggest motivations is just doing things in the moment, like doing things, um, like doing things that make you feel good not things that like people tell you are good and like you think it's good but like stuff that actually makes you feel good and doing stuff in the moment instead of like you said in the incubation period and having to wait i think doing stuff in the moment is super important and um it's like um like obviously it's beneficial to think things through but overthinking things is a huge like detriment especially to me um yeah so just gonna, doing things in the moment more that's um i that's think been for a big you motivation for me perhaps your generation or not your generation but people specifically your age people in high school yeah. and stuff like that um i think that is a good reframe to like not think so much do things that feel good yeah for people my age i think what would be even more beneficial is to do things that don't feel good, but mm. that you know you'd benefit from. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like, as a 16-year-old, like, do you need to be doing shadow work? I don't know. Probably not. You probably just need to have some experiences and, like, mm. you know, be a human and stuff. Like, mm. people my age need to figure out how to be, like, the next evolution of human. Yeah. Like, it's not enough. I, I don't think it's enough. I mean, sure it is on the grandest level. Yeah. But if if we want to uh, not kill the planet, yeah. Um, then I think it's time for us to get to know the parts of ourselves that we have stuffed down mm-hmm. and and yeah. And for instance, buried with pleasure. You yeah. Know? Like with habits that like we're just trying to feel good in the moment, mm-hmm. but are actually maybe distancing ourselves from what. We're yeah really what we really want to experience mm-hmm. you know the connections that we really want to yeah um harness and just you know whatever um yeah um yeah i think 
that's probably a little generational too because um like you said uh people in your generation have that like buried deep down um but i think with the with one of the one of the things that is a benefit from having like a bunch of resources available is the fact that it's a lot less stigmatized to just like um share everything and yeah feel your feelings um like get the help that you need from other people and like being like truthful with yourself and obviously um like that's not gonna be like um not everyone in my generation like will feel that way but it's just it's just more accessible i mean it absolutely is and it's more yeah. acceptable yeah too. maybe before getting into mental health i just wanted to point out that like something that we've sort of touched upon a little bit but like i feel like you grew up like pretty fast you know Probably. i mean i'm not gonna say that i wasn't thinking about non-mainstream thoughts mm-hmm. i mean i was definitely a very deep thinker throughout my whole life yeah um, but i can sort of like i can sort of bridge that to like an early life trauma yeah that like made me more thoughtful and more like yeah you know um questioning my reality yeah. and stuff like that for you what i mean i th- i what we're getting at in the conversation that it seems like just this this uh overload of more information being available and so much more accessible Mm. do you feel like that's been in part i mean you also are in a unique situation where you have four older siblings and they're all like quite a bit older than you yeah you know i'm 14 years older than you but our oldest brother is eight years older than i am yeah you know he was 22 when i was born yeah um that's pretty yeah that definitely contributes to like my experiences personally um i think that might even be like the majority because um my four siblings have probably been like my biggest role models throughout my entire life thus far and um like even though i i have um this like plethora of information that i'm able to like consume you guys really like taught me how to use it and like um how to be intent i think um i think i've learned so much from you obviously but one of the biggest things is just being intentional about um the things that you're doing and like the things that you're feeling just um just like being intentional and aware um yeah i think that and um yeah basically just that do you feel like most people your age are like on a similar journey i think i mean obviously it's hard to know yeah your friends are obviously going to be the people that are most like-minded but you know i mean you have obviously a closer perspective to your generation than i do that's what i was going to say just like um i can i can identify a lot of people like at my high school who like 
don't resonate with that, but like the people that I'm closest with probably do. Yeah. And um, yeah. Do you, do you, uh, just out I of think, curiosity, are any of your friends like in similar situations where they have like much older siblings or anything like that? Yeah. yeah. Um, one of my closest friends, Jill, uh, she has in she is an older brother who's twenty, and two older sisters, so which is pretty close to yeah. what I am, and um, I think that's a big part of why we resonate is because um, I don't know we have this shared experience of being like um just like not subject but like just being like open to so much new experiences and stuff like that yeah i was just reminded of a memory of do you remember the time selena was in town Mm-hmm. yeah that was probably like 2014 15 something like that so you were like like eight yeah that's crazy i was like Mm -hmm. you were like that was like half your lifetime ago yeah um and to me that just feels like a few years ago (laughs) um but anyway the memory was uh i was just thinking of one of the insane things that i said to you that might have have planted a seed perhaps um we were in the woods, like not like the deep woods, but like the mm. immediate woods behind our parents' house. Yeah. We were back there talking about God knows what. And I just remember saying to you that like, yeah, man. And to preface it, to give you a little cue into like where I was at in my life, mm. um, I was, you know, I had already been introduced to like the Buddhism, the yoga, the meditation, all that good stuff. And I had just come back from college and I was sort of, you know, in a more seeking place in my life than I am now, uh, still sort of looking for answers to a degree. And so I was like a little bit more cued into like the new agey type of stuff, you know, the crystals, the whatever. Um, So like one of the things that had come across my field was the idea of like, new agey spiritual i don't even know how to term it like spiritual generations mm-hmm. of like you know the indigo children which is kind of like my generation yeah and then the like crystal children and the rainbow children not super well first yeah that, i think it's probably pretty just banana stuff yeah but um i mean i don't know i think there's something to it but i don't think it's like something you can really like break down in a yeah. finite category but anyway so i was kind of getting privy to the idea that the new generations coming in were Mm -hmm. going to be more conscious yeah and you know that's true like Mm -hmm. anyway yeah but um i the thing that resonated was the idea that like indigo children were like aware and had mystical leanings and awareness and stuff but that there there was like this deep like dissatisfaction or like a chip on their shoulder like i don't know like an anger or something mm. like that, mm. uh, like an anger at the system or yeah. whatever, and more of a fire. Mm. And the idea, like that, the newer generations were just like, "It's all good, man. We're just here to like shift humanity," mm-hmm. you know. And that was like more lighthearted and stuff. So I remember saying to you that, like, I don't know. I was just talking about how like 
the earth wasn't in great shape and like, you know, all this stuff. When I was eight. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, man, like it's really going to be up to your generation to like, I kind of remember this <laughs> to like rebuild the world and like, yeah. to like bring something new. in. So I don't remember exactly what I said, but I was basically, and in some ways it was like, um, I'm, I'm not necessarily proud of saying that to you. I think in some ways it was like, that's kind of a lot of pressure to hear that. And on one hand, from your perspective and from my perspective, it was kind of like displacing my own responsibility. They're like, yeah, my generation's probably just going to like suck, but um, you guys really got to pull it together, you know? Yeah. And I think there is kind of a lot of that, like in just more like a social situation too. Yeah. There's a lot of just like, yeah, the Gen Zers, they'll, they'll pull us out of, you know, capitalism mm. and killing the planet, all this stuff. And, um, I don't, I don't think that's, I don't think that's necessarily the most mature perspective, but anyway, um, let's, uh, is there anything you want to say about that? Yeah. So I just wanted to bring up, you said, you know, there's a little bit of a, it sounded like you're sort of getting to the double-edged nature of the fact that people in your generation are talking about mental health a lot mm -hmm. more than, you know, when, when I was in grade school, like I didn't know what that meant, you know, but by the time I was in junior high, like I knew that I was depressed, yeah, you know, and like me and, you know, close friends would talk about that, yeah. but it, I wasn't like, you know, getting on TikTok and seeing like post after post of people like almost glamorizing mm -hmm. mental health. Yeah. You know, that's just something that I want to bring up because while on one hand, I think it's really great that we're talking about this and that it is definitely becoming less stigmatized. On the other hand, I think that maybe the pendulum swings, you know, maybe yeah, a little bit too definitely. much in each direction. And then I think the shadow of us normalizing mental health is that there's now like, how do I put this? Um, it's almost to the point where like, if you don't have anxiety or depression that you might feel left out. Mm -hmm. I know what you mean. Do you feel there's anything to that? Um, yeah, I mean, so my point is that the, the identity is so wrapped up yeah. into it. Yeah. And I'll go into that more, but go ahead. Um, yeah, I think people, like, I definitely, like, can see people, like, um, getting that, like, FOMO from, like, not having depression or anxiety, to, even to the extent that, like, some people, like, go too far and, like, try to show, they try to, like, prove, like, oh, you know, I, I do, I just, like, and just, like, I don't know. They they take it too far sometimes, and I like I know people from my generation. Like that is a problem. Yeah, that is a problem. But um, I think and you could make an argument that that is mental health stuff too, because obviously yeah. if they're a little bit more stable, yeah, you know they wouldn't be like seeking attention in that way. Yeah. Um, but overall, I'm definitely more grateful that it yeah is like exactly. more available. Yeah. Because like it's definitely part part of that has like shaped who i am i think but yeah. what are you gonna say about identity well that's a perfect segue shaped who you are i i kind of see that in you a little bit too but um i 
let me frame it this way. So in Spanish, you might be able to back me up on this. Um, the way they would communicate in the Spanish language, what we might say in English, I might say in English, I am sad. Yeah. But in Spanish, you would say, do you know? Soy triste, maybe. Which sort of translates more to like, I'm, I'm experiencing sadness or mm-hmm. I'm feeling sad or something like that. Yeah. Is that true? Sure. I mean. Do you know how that breaks down? Um, I mean, like, literally, I think it, it is just like, I am sad, but I know. Like, but is there an identity? Is, is there an I am in that phrase? Um, yes. There is? Yeah. Okay. I think so. Um, okay. Well, I heard this on somewhere else. I don't speak Spanish and maybe they're talking okay. about a different language, but I, I think know the there's point- a, there's a lot of, um, French that there's like, um, like I'm, ex- I'm like experiencing and feeling like opposed to like, I, I myself am. Like, yeah. That's sadness. right. You take French, not Spanish. My bad. No, but I've, I've taken, yeah. I've taken Spanish too. Anyway, I think the point still stands. I mean, um, and maybe the, what you had said in Spanish, maybe that is true that that is how you say I am sad, but maybe that's not like the cultural colloquialism. Yeah. Certain, who knows? Anyway, point being, I mean, it doesn't even have to be a language barrier, but like, I, I feel that, well, I would love to see us reframe mental health. Mm-hmm. A, maybe not even as mental health, maybe as emotional wellness, because yeah. I think of a lot of what we experience as mental health symptoms uh dare i say mental illness i don't like that phrase at all i mean mental illness to me illustrates the picture that i'm sick but and i think that can be helpful for some people Mm. to stop the self-judgment to stop the shame cycle yeah say oh this is there's there's nothing i can not that there's nothing i can do about this um to externalize it yeah. to a certain degree, um, to distance their identity from what they're experiencing. Mm-hmm. But then I think we end up going too far into, oh, I'm mentally ill. Now I'm identifying as being sick. Yeah. And we we build our experience based on how we relate to language. Mm-hmm. Our, the way we talk about ourselves, the way we think about ourselves is very much tied into how we experience ourselves. Mm -hmm. So if I'm telling myself that I'm sick, that I'm mentally ill, um, I don't think that leaves a lot of room for becoming emotionally well. And uh, to my point, um, while on one hand, yes, we can measure brain activity and we can correlate um, experiences like depression and anxiety, we can correlate that with lack of or overabundance of fill in the blank, you know, lack of serotonin or overabundance of dopamine or whatever it may be. Um, I don't think that those are the reasons at the root of why we're experiencing what we're experiencing. I think a lot of times, for instance, depression is an emotional lack of alignment. I don't, I think when we're depressed, we are shutting our sensitivity down because it's been overstimulated and mm-hmm. probably in a traumatic way yeah. that we've experienced either being shut down by other people, being told we're too much or not enough, or um, or literally just not being able to hold 
empathy for the weight of the ugly world that we now have so many more windows into what's going on outside of my present moment. There's wars out there. There's human trafficking that you name it. There's all these things that if I open my emotions to those things, I wouldn't be able to function as a human. I wouldn't be able to take care of myself because I would be in such grief for the moment of humanity. Yeah. And that's, you know, also kind of a statement on what are we focusing on in media? Are we Mm -hmm. only focusing on the shadows? Are we only telling dramatic sop stories you know, and that's not entirely true, but anyway, that's an aside. Um, so that's one aspect of it. You know, when I think mental illness, I think of, I think of psychosis, you know, like to me, that is an, an actual, like, I don't mean to say actual to me that, to me, that's what I think of when I think mental illness, I think mm-hmm. someone who is completely unoriented in their reality yeah you know and i i would make an argument that that's also spiritual or emotional rooted as well yeah but um you know things like multiple uh or or did dissociative Mm -hmm. identity disorder like putting that in the same category as like anxiety or depression that feels a little bit of a stretch to me do you do you feel yeah yeah i resonate um and uh the other thing is just, yeah, back to my point of like, we, we say I am depressed. Okay. So I'm identifying with depression, like rather than like, yeah, I'm, a, I'm experiencing mm-hmm. an ebb in my flow right now. I'm experiencing depression, yeah. you know, and being more cued into like the seasons of life, you know, the earth gets depressed every winter. Like yeah. it's not a bad thing. Mm-hmm. It's, it's resting. Yeah. You know, that was one of the coolest things that um, Clayton said on the Breakthrough Consciousness podcast that I retained since he said it. He was like, the thing about depression is like the need for deep rest, mm-hmm. you know, and that always really resonated. Um, but anyway, uh, I guess my main point is that it's it's helpful to have the lens of mental health. Yeah if we're going to use that as a tool for growth and for reorienting our moment, but if we're going to end the conversation at mental illness, then that leaves us in a insurmountable position. And I think that it's a little bit of a misapprehension for people to reduce mental wellness or overall well-being to reduce that just to brain chemistry yeah. because our brain chemistry is a reflection of what our life is. Right. Not mm-hmm. the, or, I mean, you could argue that it's the other way around, but that would be more of a spiritual argument. You yeah. Know? And that's not really what we're getting at right yeah. now. If we were in different contexts, then our brains would be operating differently. You yeah. know, if, if we weren't in houses and doing and, and doing things that we don't want to do for eight, eight or more hours a day, then like we would probably be feeling a little bit more connected and more whole, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I think that's a huge component of depression is that it's, it's disconnection Yeah. and it's linked with low self-worth, which is linked to capitalism and marketing. Yeah. You know, most marketing campaigns are, are centered around making us feel like we're not enough and that we need to consume this product and then maybe we'll be happy, that type of thing. Mm -hmm. So there's so much, in this conversation, there's so many factors at play. And um, 
And there's a lot of recovery paths, you know, and I don't, you know, I'm not yet in a position where I necessarily recommend one or the other, but I think that intellectually coming to terms with like that, that this is, it is bigger than us. It's not something, there's nothing wrong with us as individuals. We're not broken. If you're experiencing depression and anxiety acutely or chronically, like there's hope for you. You yeah. can learn to overcome that and to yeah. learn to work with those demons it's and learn to turn them into friends. A really important thing to think about too. Yeah. Yeah. Because otherwise it's a trap and it's just, you know, it leads to more depression. If you think yeah. that you are a depressed person and this is just the way your brain works. And I've talked to a lot of people. That's why I'm like kind of dancing around my words a little bit because I've gotten in some pretty heated discussions with people, you know, mostly my age when yeah. it comes to these things and, they're like, no, dude, this is the way my brain is. Like, it'll never be different and all this stuff. And I'm just like, I can't tell you otherwise, even yeah. though I feel otherwise, I yeah. believe otherwise. But if that's, you know, and like, that's programming, yeah. that's conditioning. Someone told you that, some authority told you that. Yeah. And you're taking it as reality, mm-hmm. you know? And I think that there's a nuanced truth in between the extremes of, you know, oh, mental health doesn't exist, which I'm obviously not on that extreme. Yeah. And then, you know, I am my brain chemistry. Mm-hmm. That's a that's a materialist, reductive way of looking at life too. Yeah. And unfortunately, or for better or worse, uh, the predominant mainstream paradigm is a materialist paradigm, and that's yeah. an entirely different discussion. Yeah. But that's what I'm sort of butting up with when I have these conversations, because a lot mm-hmm. of times we're coming from entirely different paradigms. We're coming from different places. If you believe that consciousness and life are just random mysterious things that arise out of dumb matter i don't mean dumb isn't stupid but you know just like gross matter physical stuff Mm -hmm. you know um then we're gonna be viewing life entirely differently and um and the materialist paradigm i'm not gonna say it's wrong but i mean even quantum physics basically blows it out of the water and again, I'm just throwing words out here. We don't have to get into any of this, but um, you're good. Just identity, man. Yeah, identity. At at the end of the day, so much comes down to identity. You know, when you're getting at, um, you know, what path do you want to go down? What do you want to commit to? You're you're basically asking yourself, what identity do I want to embody? When you're, um, yeah, you know, when uh, when we are are doing things compulsively or or, or giving into impulses a lot of time I'm getting at addiction when people are addicted a lot of times it's because we've wrapped up an identity with that thing or that activity or experience or whatever it may be perfect example is you know most people that smoke cigarettes most of them either their parents smoked mm-hmm. or their close friends smoked growing up you know so it became associated with a good time with connection with family friends you know and um and then, and then the smoker identity, you know, I'm a smoker. Yeah. They say that, you know, and a lot of times, a lot of things you'll see in like how to break the habit of smoking. They're like, tell yourself you're a non-smoker, you know, and that type of thing. And that's just one normal example, but yeah. there's a ton other, you know, and when you get to social media, like talk about identity. Yeah. We're, we're protecting our little social avatars and personas yeah. that we've built up, you know? Yeah. And um so yeah, part I think part of like 
you brought up commitment again um and commit like committing to like what identity we want to be um i think part of the trouble in committing is like either like is this the right identity for me like if i'm committing to one identity is it who i truly am like is it is it the right one and also um like is it the most is it the one that's going to like benefit me the most is it, is it is it right for me is basically what the question is yeah which um obviously like committing to an identity is more than just like committing to just one thing because an identity is so like it's it's i i think it's like fluid like it's very broad and it's like a spectrum and it's multifaceted yeah to the point. yeah, yeah. Um, and we've talked about that too before in the past that you know I have a different version of myself depending on who I'm talking to. Mm-hmm. And it's not to the point where I'm a chameleon, like just total people pleaser trying to just like be who they want me to be. Yeah. It's just that we have, you know, you and I have different, um, shared experiences. Yeah. And like personality imprints and patterns. Yeah. So we're going to mesh in a certain way, you mm-hmm. know, we're going to complement each other or, or not resonate with each other in, in certain specific ways. And that's yeah, just going to be true for different people. And to your point of like shared experiences. Yeah. If you've like, you know, like like me hanging out with my parents like it's hard for me to like just be my adult self around mm. people that wiped my ass and shit you know? <laughs> yeah. Like, it, it, yeah and other things and you know just we, yeah. we've like built up a dynamic and like you know yeah, definitely. And I, I will readily admit i was absolutely a l- lower version of myself as the child that they you know were I, around and stuff i think so too i think um i feel I like a lower version of myself when I'm around them. Um, I don't know why. It just feels like, I don't know. We've, we've talked about this a lot, like with, with Shannon and the other siblings too. Um, it's just like, we kind of revert back to like our childish selves when we're either like in that house or just like around with the five or four of us, whoever it is. Yeah. Um, it's very normal. It's a very common thing. Mm-hmm. But I, I do want to figure out how to evolve from that. Me too. It's 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 pretty frustrating. Even just like me and my parents, I feel like I revert to like my most childish self, and um, I don't know. I feel bad because like there's so much like more to me than that, and I want to like like you said evolve from that. But I think it's I think it's like a pretty difficult thing to do. And there's so much more to them than just being yeah, parents. Exactly. Than just being seen as parents and just being treated as parents by a petulant child, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm not saying you're a petulant child. I'm a petulant child. Yeah. You know, you've seen it. We've all seen it. It's ugly, yeah. you know, and it's not that bad, but it's like, you know, just to your point, like, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a childish way of interacting with the environment. And dude, I, you know, I'm very aware of it. And I, I just, I don't really know what to do about it, to be I honest, know. but I think that I part of it is like, you know, the habit of identity. And there's a lot of aspects to that there's how many times have we practiced this identity yeah and when it's an identity of a parent child relationship that's you've been practicing it every day yeah you know um where have we practiced that identity you know so being in a certain house like you're Mm -hmm. saying like being in the house that we grew up in or 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 being around the same social dynamic the same four of us or five of us or however however many you know there's Mm -hmm. a certain we've practiced that dance yeah you know 
Whereas like you and I are different when it's just the two of us versus like us and Shannon or us and Kara or us and our parents, you know? Um, So I think that maybe one thing is just to break the norm and get out of the context that we're usually in. You know, I think we've probably had some of our best times when we go for a hike or go on vacation and we're in a different context. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I definitely, I also think like, um, I think like to an extent, it feels more comfortable to like not change. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. That's the struggle of addiction, bro. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's comfortable to do the thing that you've always done. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, and that's kind of what I was getting at when you were saying like that you want to do things that feel good and, and to, to, to be clear, like I do get you, I know you're not just saying things that are pleasurable, but that things that feel exciting and fulfilling, yeah. you know, but, but, um, to that point of what I was saying of, um, yeah. of, you know, that I need to do things that don't feel good. Mm-hmm. I need to do things that are uncomfortable because I know that they're beneficial to my growth, you know? So, this is stuff that I've talked about for like an embarrassing amount of times, you know, and I still struggle to like implement is step outside of the comfort zone, you know, but like we can tell ourselves that and we can talk about it till the end of time, but Mm -hmm. like the body doesn't speak English, you know? So we can understand this at a mental intellectual level, but learning to talk emotionally that's the language of the body is the emotions. So bridging our intellect with our emotion is what's needed. And, you know, I think part of it does happen from having conversations because if we can get to a same emotional page, then we can, you know, maybe drop into our bodies and into a similar emotion or, or maybe talk about the emotions that we've never talked about, you know, like when you and I've had a pretty, I don't know, maybe I, maybe you have something you're holding against me, but like, Probably nothing big, you know. Not at all. But like, you know, uh, just the childhood traumas, you know. Me and Shannon were like younger, yeah. you know. Her and I are closer in age than I am to you. Yeah. So I was a little bit more of a annoying brother to her than I was to you. Yeah. You know, so I'm sure there's more there that like, you know, goes unspoken. But like, you know, if we could get on the same emotional page is what I'm saying. Then mm. I think that that clears a lot of habit energy and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, man, I don't have any, any easy answers, but it's worth bringing up. I'm not even sure how we got onto that, but yeah. identity. Yeah. Just talking about identity. Um, yeah, man. Anything else you want to say? Is that a, you want to cap it there? Um, I was going to ask on that high note. <laughs> I was going to ask, um, as, as an artist, do you, I guess how um, how fulfilled do you feel with all the work that you've done, like everything you've put out? Um, how how do you feel? Like, do you feel that it reflects you as a person, or like if you put out like one song for one specific reason, do you feel like that that reason was like? reflected like well in that song Um, like how i guess how confident are you in your art and your ability enough to do it there's there's a lot of different angles for your question Mm. um it's a pretty loaded deep question thanks for asking it um the first thing you asked was how fulfilled am i yeah 
in my output as an artist. And of course, the first ego thing that comes to my head is like, not very. Yeah. But if I'm being honest, I am fulfilled in the fact that I have more than one song released on the internet. You know, I have like three full healthy EPs, you know, like I'm proud of those EPs or four. I have four EPs. Mm-hmm. Uh, Solon Lati, I think of as an album. Yeah. They're not released as an album yet. Um, I'm proud of all that music. I mean, it's funny that this song is playing right now because this song is like, it's called Dream Body. And it's, it, you know, like most of my songs, it was written to pet myself up. You know, the mm. first opening lyrics are like basically, you know, how long are you going to ignore your calling? You know? Yeah. And, um, and to a degree, I'm not ignoring it anymore. Mm-hmm. But to another degree, I'm, I've stagnated and I've reached some roadblocks that I haven't figured out how to overcome. Um, I'm proud of my work, but I'm, I'm not a proud marketing mm-hmm. person. Yeah. You know, I don't, I don't, I don't like being on social media. I don't like being seen. Yeah. I don't even, I like playing music, but I mm-hmm. don't like being seen as a performer. I don't yeah. consider myself very entertaining despite the things that I do. <laughs> This, if you're entertained by this, <laughs> then we're good friends. Um, you know, uh, yeah. that type of thing. I just, I've never seen myself as an entertainer, yeah. you know? Um, so like that definitely evokes like lower identities, the, the shy version of me from childhood that doesn't want to be seen, mm. you know? Um, so I definitely struggle with getting my work as visible as Mm -hmm. I would like it to be. Yeah. And I definitely struggle with the idea, the anxiety that I'm spamming my friends to come to my shows or to listen to my music. Um, because my ego story a lot of times is like, dude, they know, Mm. they know, like they'll come out if they actually want to, like they'll listen if they actually want to, you know? Um, and like, maybe that's true for some people, but like, le- probably less people know than I think. Yeah. You know, you put out one piece of content, <laughs> make one Instagram post and yeah. you think that all your friends saw it. Like, nah, not even necessarily all the people that liked it yeah. probably didn't read it all the way through. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Um, and then sure, there's going to be more people that saw it that didn't like it. Um, and that that's sometimes a little bit of an ego bruise is like that. I, I like, dude, I, I know this person is on social media. Mm. I know that they're just not liking it because a, they just literally don't enjoy it or B they don't want to be seen. You know, yeah. I think maybe that's a generational thing too, that I, I feel like you people in your generation are like pretty liberal with like giving each other a like, like, dude, I'm not asking you for money, but like, can you yeah. help the algorithm a little bit? Yeah. Like throw bro a like, like <laughs> yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. I don't know. I feel like you guys are just like, yeah, that's my friend. I know them like, you know, definitely it's not yeah. like that in my generation. <laughs> it's not. Um, but anyway, so like there's, there's that lame stuff, but, um, yeah, I could get better about marketing is my first point. My second point was, what was the other questions you asked? Um, I just said like, do you feel confident in like you what you put out and stuff like that? Yeah, I for the most you. part. I mean, there's there's uh, parts of songs that I you know maybe 
feel like I rushed or that I could have done better or stuff like that. But like, that's also been a practice in letting go, Mm -hmm. you know, because it's really easy to be a perfectionist as an artist Yeah, and to like, to, to a point where you're harming yourself as an artist and you're harming the art Yeah, because like art has a life of its own. I, I rarely say like, I made this thing. Like I try to speak like as truly about it as possible. Like this came to me. Like, yeah. This song came to me. This, you know what I mean? Like that's the way I put it. Like, mm-hmm. um, ideas have a life of their own. So I'm a vessel to let this idea come through from me to you, you know? Um, so I've been practicing, uh, just get it done. Yeah. Like, perfectionism is the enemy of, of, of done, you know, is a quote I heard somewhere and like, not to the point where you rush it. Yeah. You know, you don't want to be sloppy. Mm -hmm. And I think I do have maybe some shadow of me as a musician that like, I can be sloppy. Like I could definitely tune up myself. I could, you know, that type of thing. But in general, like, yeah, I do feel confident as a artist. Um, I just don't necessarily feel that confident as a ego. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I get that. So like, yeah, if, I, if a person is sitting down listening to a song of mine, I'm like, yeah, you're either going to get it or you're not. But like, mm-hmm. if you get it, you're going to like it, you know? Yeah. Um, but like, sitting them down to do that, like, nah, I don't yeah. really do that, you know? Mm-hmm. Talking about myself to people I'm just meeting or to my friends. Yeah. I shy away from doing that a lot. I just, I'm not proud of it, but it's, it's an ego thing for sure that I just, and that's a lack of confidence, but yeah. Um, so I answer your question. Yeah. What, what made you ask that? I think you said, uh, a while ago, I think just something you said a while ago, I don't remember exactly what it is, but that, and just like thinking about, um, I think it's like when we were talking about like wasted potential, like and like our age difference, you're 14 years older than me. You've like, you've lived a lot longer and you've done a lot more and you've like produced a lot more. And I just wanted to know how you felt about what you produced. Um, Because obviously like what you've produced is like extremely beneficial, I think towards me. um, like with us being like so closely related and like me being interested in that, in the field that you're in right now. Um, like I'm honestly surprised I haven't asked it before. Like, um, I just wanted to see how you felt about everything that you've done. Yeah. Um, I mean, honestly, if we pa- unpacked that question, uh, completely, it would be probably a whole nother podcast. It would probably be a therapy session rather than a podcast, yeah. which is like, I'm obviously okay with like combining yeah. the two. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't believe in living with regret, but I would be dishonest if I said that I never was tempted to have regretful thoughts. Yeah. And I, trust my path and I'm really excited about what I'm doing. I'm really excited about what Ryan and I are doing in particular. 
I have a lot more energy and a lot more fire when he's stoking the fire and I'm stoking his mm-hmm. fire, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, he's a Leo, you know, which is a <laughs> yeah. lot of fire. Yeah. I'm not Leo. Thank God. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was joking. I, I don't really benefit from being a Leo actually. Um, but no, nah, uh, yeah. So, you know, I'm really excited about what, what we're doing and I, I do feel more confident about like saying, yeah, I'm in a band called Drake daydreamer versus mm-hmm. like, yeah, I have like a solo project. That's like kind of a band. I hope it, I want it to be a band, but like, yeah. it's basically just me. Like sometimes I bring other people on called Shantieris, yeah. you know, like yeah. that's, that's kind of been a weird thing. Um, again, just because of the esotericism and like, because it begs the question of what is that? Mm. And I don't like being so transparent, Yeah, you know? And, um, that's kind of been a little bit of a struggle because like when I grew up, the musicians I looked up to like, yeah, they had interviews and stuff online, but like I wasn't following their personal Instagrams, Yeah, you know, like it's just different. People, artists weren't explaining every lyric. They weren't making every lyric so obvious and transparent so that people have something to hold on to like there yeah. was it was an art like there was an artistry and there was yeah. a mystery of the artist i think and i, I think, sort of romanticize that i yeah. would like that fits my personality type more i think that's like that's that's a trouble that i run into when making art is that like like obviously everything has its own meaning to me but like it, it's also a struggle having that meaning communicated to the people who are viewing your art or yeah. like taking and like it whether in. or not you should even have to yeah you know and that's yeah. kind of my point is that like you know people used to like gift each other paintings or like create galleries mm-hmm. and you would go and view them and you 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 would let it speak to you yeah. like you would interpret it you would yeah. that people used to be interested in hearing poetry mm-hmm. or reading it let alone reading it you yeah. know and you enter the moment, you know, it wasn't this, it wasn't a dopamine hit, man. Yeah. It was, it's deeper. Yeah. You know, it was endorphins and serotonin and shit. Like yeah. it was engaging with creativity, not yeah. consuming it. Mm-hmm. It's a huge difference. Collaborating with art rather than consuming it yeah. or, or pimping it out. Mm. I don't want to pimp out my stuff, dude. Like, yeah. But of course I want people to engage with it and to enter the moment with it. That's what yeah. it's all about. Like, that's literally what all of my lyrics are about. It's yeah. entering the moment, you know? And I don't want to have to explain that to people. <laughs> yeah. That brings up something about social media, though, that we we talked about, like, the infotainment aspect of it, of, like, info overload. But, like, we didn't even get into, like, the overload of, of art mm-hmm. and music. And, like, mm-hmm. you know? So I think bridging it back to the idea of comparing ourselves to other people. I think that we're just in a, we're, we're entering a new paradigm. And I think that we need to, that we would benefit from getting excited about building a new paradigm and building a new music industry, a music anti-industry, a music community, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think that things in the future, and this is what I'm trying to get at for real, a micro example of it is the discord server that I just made, you Mm -hmm. know, like I I want there to be like smaller intentional communities, more engaged communities rather than like, you know, yeah, you can, I don't know. I no, I know what you mean. Cause, um, like when, 
when like um when i'm uh like consuming i don't want to say consuming but when i'm like resonating with art like it's so beneficial when i i'm in those like little smaller communities because i like feel connected to something i feel like 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 obviously the art holds importance but like when you feel connected and when you feel like you're a part of the art itself too like that holds so much more meaning and exactly. um it it like it makes me just feel so much better about what mm -hmm. i'm doing yeah. instead of like um i think like that like the communal aspect can even like um deter the fact that or not the fact but deter the feeling of having to consume so much art or media or whatever but actually like experiencing it so i yeah. think it's really important i like that a lot reframing from consumption to experiencing something yeah or that's something that uh karen and i have started doing a lot is like i think i got this from the very eight podcast but like the idea of like collaborating with substances or food or you know what mm -hmm. like rather than i'm consuming a cup of coffee or i'm you know i'm eating a donut you know mm -hmm. like do i want to collaborate with this donut like i don't know i don't know yeah. that it has that much to bring to the table yeah you know what i'm saying like yeah. do i want to collaborate with coffee you know like or am i just propping myself up and just you know what i'm saying like yeah. just doing yeah, something out of habit or whatever um but yeah yeah i mean we could go on and on. Um, I feel like I felt like there was something I wanted to say to what you said, but now I've sort of aired my brain out. I might be, I might be done. Um, but I like to. Well, first of all, thanks for yeah, of doing course. this, man. This is really fun. We can definitely do many more in the future. Yeah, for sure. I I almost feel like this conversation was maybe for a listener, maybe overload you know Probably. like we've, we got into a lot of stuff and there's there's so much more that we could impact yeah. unpack on each of those topics but i just want to ask you this is something that i like to ask at the end of doing a podcast um was there anything in particular that you want to highlight about the conversation um maybe if it's something um it could be a two-part it could just be something you want to highlight mm -hmm. but if there's also something that we can bring into action you know, like a takeaway. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I was just, I think what we were talking about at the end there, uh, consume or experiencing things instead of consuming them. And just like the, the point of this whole podcast in general, it's, it's a reminder. And, um, I think this episode can just be like a reminder to like take time to think about things and, um, take time to just like I don't know be in tune like um check yourself I guess like see where you're at in your life and like assess yourself and just think about those things like um that like maybe um you're listening to this and you, you you're thinking like yeah I have been like overthinking a lot maybe I do want to feel a lot more just like see where you're at in your life and see what how you could benefit from um like changing or like implementing a new thing um 
yeah, I think that's yeah, I, that, that's awesome. Um, thank you for that. I would expand on it to a degree. Um, I think it would be helpful to acknowledge the necessity for like self-compassion first. Yeah. You know, because it's, it's an easy loop to get in that I've been in for years, at least historically speaking, I was in a loop yeah, all the way until this morning. Thank God I'm out of it now. <laughs> um, of, uh, you know, trying to skip the step of being okay with where you're at now. Yeah. You know, so that's what I mean by self-compassion is mm-hmm. like, let's just stop beating ourselves up. You know, yeah. we all know the things we could do better. And, um, I think in order to create space to, to have space for those new things, yeah. we have to stop beating ourselves up, stop judging, you know, and let it be okay. Now let it be okay to be a mess. Yeah. You know, let it be okay to have wasted some time, you know, like, mm-hmm. because ultimately like nothing is wasted. Like we've been, we've been experiencing this whole time, but what have we been tuning into? Where's our attention been? Yeah. Have we have we been consciously attending to experiencing? And when we when we're saying experiencing, we mean like presently, like not yeah. we're not just substituting consume for experience. Yeah, oh yeah. yeah, I consume the heck out of that donut, you know. Or experience experience the heck out of that donut, you know. Like, did you though? Like, were you were you fully there? Yeah, you know. And if you were, then then eat, then, then collaborate with that donut. <laughs> yeah. If it's bringing you into the present moment, you know, but if mm-hmm. you're just feeding your gluttony and, and hating yourself for it, like, mm-hmm. then what are you serving? Yeah. What am I serving? I've obviously I'm speaking to personal experience on this donut situation. <laughs> yeah. Um, but anyway, yeah. So I like that. I just wanted to expand on it a little bit. Um, I would like to highlight the aspect of identity. Yeah. And that's part of what I was just saying is like, you know, we have to forgive our identities before transforming them. And that's been something that I've been butting up with for years is that like, I've had various visions and glimpses and clarity of who I want to be, but it's been hard to like put to rest who I have practiced being. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, and I think that that there's something to that, and I haven't fully gone through that experience, so I can't really speak to it. But I almost have this sense that like I need to like have a funeral for you know. I mean, that sounds dark and whatever and morose, but like to to have some sort of ritualistic or, or ceremonial goodbye yeah. to the past, and like to mourn what I've been, to mourn the times I've wasted, and to celebrate what i have done like yeah you know back mm-hmm. to your question about me as an artist like yeah i could have gotten started on on Chantieris yeah uh a long time ago yeah but i'm glad that i started when i did and i'm glad that it's transforming into what it's transforming into and i, I trust that you know so yeah i think that's a good thing to remember like um the things that come to you in your life like they come to you at that time for a reason and um like obviously everything's clear in retrospect but like just be patient with yourself and um maybe now isn't just 
now just isn't like the right time for something and that's okay that's okay. perfectly okay absolutely absolutely just the idea that you know if we were ready it would be here yeah and it is yeah. are you ready to see la da 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 da